Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. It's so good to see each and every one of you, and I'm glad you're here. And I also want to welcome anyone who is joining us online or the app or the podcast. Thank you so much for being with us as well. And so let's begin, as we begin every week, by getting out our Bibles. If you could, let's grab our Bibles or open a Bible app. And we're continuing in our study of the book of Mark. And so if you turn to the book of Mark, that's the second book in the New Testament Today we're going to be in chapter 10, and I'm going to pick up in verse 35 in just a moment, but we're just kind of going through, continuing through the book of Mark, and today we're going to talk about something that's really, I don't think, talked about a whole lot. It's something that I think may not be even properly understood, but it's something that I know everyone here today and anyone watching or joining us online struggles with, and that is ambition. That's what we're going to look at today, ambition. Like, 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 listen, listen, we all have ambition. We all are working, how do we, working with it, we want to walk through it in a way that honors God, right? Now, ambition in and of itself is not a bad thing. Ambition is simply a strong desire to do or to achieve something typically requiring determination and hard work. But, but, but in our society, generally when you throw around the word ambition, it kind of carries a, a negative kind of thought to it. But the reality is God has made us to use our hands, right? He's made us to use our mind, our time, and our labor to love others and to build things up. Like, he's blessed some of us, not all of us, but some of us with, I don't know, business know-how. Some of us are really sharp with math. Some of us can teach really well. And, And you get to even Genesis. You look at the very beginning of Genesis. God gives us a mandate. What does it say? He says, he says, well, Adam and Eve and to us all go and be fruitful and multiply. That's many dimensions there, but subdue, right? That's ambition. Build things, right? That is ambition. And when driven by God-centered ambition, we all produce our best work. We flat out do. We know that. However, having said that, every one of you can tell me or you think about no countless people who hustle and have ambition for the wrong reasons, even, 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 even Christians. And they're going to build altars of wealth and fame and admiration and seek other worldly accomplishments. And now we all, we all look at that and we say such ambition really has no place in the kingdom of God, all right? So we can all determine, we can all say, man, 
There's good ambition, right? There's godly ambition. And, 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 and then there's worldly ambition. That's evil ambition. You got good, you got bad, and it seems like it'd be, be, be pretty simple to, to distinguish between the two, but the reality is in my life, I have found that it can get kind of fuzzy, right? It's not always so clear cut, right? For example, how do I know if the ambition that I have is an ambition given to me by God, a God-given ambition, or how do I know if the ambition I have is actually a me ambition, like I'm trying to glorify myself? Now, here's where, get, hear this out, man. This is where it gets tricky. This is, I'm going to be honest with you, this is an area where I have sinned, and it's an area where I have a propensity to sin. This right here, okay? What if... I disguise my ambition, right? Like, like, for example, I say I have a godly ambition to accomplish something, but really in the back of my head, in the back of my mind, my real motivation is my own glory, and so it gets kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of mixed up, right? It gets kind of, it gets kind of messed up. And it's, it, it's sin. It's sin. And any of us can do that. Any Christian can do that. But I'm going to tell you right now, as a pastor, I've done that. I've done that. I've done that. I'm doing this for Jesus. But in the back, you know, I'm like, man, I kind of like doing it for myself. That's ambition. It's complicated. But today, we're going to examine it. Because today, we are going to see two apostles who have self-ambition. And we're going to see how Jesus addresses their self-ambition. And my desire, my prayer, my hope is that we will learn from it, that we will apply it to our lives, and that we will all be ambitious. I want us to be the most ambitious people on the face of the earth, but I want us to be godly in our ambition. So let's just learn. Let's learn from the text, all right? Mark chapter 10, picking up in verse 35, the very first thing that we're going to see is the apostles desire greatness. All right? Verse 35. I'm just going to read it. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him, now that's Jesus, and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. All right? So our passage begins. This is a setup. You you got James and John, two of the apostles. Now, we already know this. We've talked about this, I think, several weeks ago. But Jesus has already given them the nickname Sons of Thunder. So we already know in advance what their sin that so easily entangles them is. They can be kind of angry. They can be kind of brash. So this scene opens up. You got the Sons of Thunder coming to Jesus. And notice in the text, they come up to Jesus and they kind of make a secret approach to Jesus, right? Like, like they're, not, they're not telling anyone else. They're not doing that. They're not allowing any of the other apostles to come with them. They come kind of in a stealthy way. So the question is, why, why are the sons of thunder coming up to Jesus in a secret way? Well, the answer is they wanted to get an upper hand on the other disciples. You see, they knew the other disciples had their own ambitions and the other disciples' ambitions were in conflict with their ambition. So we got, we got a whole bunch of ambitious people here. We know this from Luke 9, 46 because it tells us 
that the apostles started having an argument among themselves about which one of them would be the greatest in the kingdom. So like us, they all, all the apostles, they all got ambition. Ambition is a universal kind of thing to all humankind. It's not just James and John who possess ambition here. And so they realize all the apostles, they got ambition. We got some ambition. So we're going to kind of take matters into our own hands. We want an inside track. And so they come up with a plan. They make a plan. They make a plan. They make a plan. It's very similar to plans that I have made in the past. Maybe it's very similar to plans you have made in the past. It's a very good plan. First thing they want to do, right? According to Matthew chapter 20, by the way, this event is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But according to Matthew 20, the sons of thunder, they go get their mother. They get their mother, Salome, to go with them, right? I know, we're going, we're going to get Jesus, we're going, we're going to get our mother, we're going to get our mother. Now, some commentators, many scholars would say and think, and it's maybe in the text you could see, that Salome is the sister of Mary, or maybe even the aunt of Jesus. Now, I don't know if that's true. The text doesn't say specifically, but nonetheless, the sons of thunder thought, hey, if we get our mother to go talk to Jesus first, then Jesus is more likely to say yes, okay? So that's the plan. Let's get, our, let's, get our, let's get our mom. Let's get our mom to go with us, okay? They get their mom to go with them. So they have this kind of plan. And then when Jesus is by himself, that's the second part of their plan, all right? We're going to get Jesus by himself. When Jesus is by himself, Jesus is by himself. I'm going to get my mom. I'm gonna get her, and then we're going to approach him, right? Clearly, this is not a healthy ambition. Like if you got a corner, Jesus, and you got to do it with your mother. What? It's sneaky. They're trying to get an upper hand instead of trusting the sovereignty of God. They go about manipulating, right? They, they, they manipulate the situation. Maybe they hold some information back. I don't know. Maybe false flattery, flattery is involved. But either way, they take matters into their own hands they use whatever means they can use. They even misuse their mother. All right, that's the plan. And then notice the question. It's, a, it's, 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 it's a crazy. It's an, it's, it's an unlimited request. Jesus, Jesus, do for us whatever we ask, right? That's odd. That's odd. Once again, that's being sneaky. No, no, check it out. I thought about this. They are trying to get a commitment from Jesus before they've made their request known to Jesus, right? In other words, they try, they trying to trick Jesus. That's what they're doing. Maybe we can trick Jesus, right? Sounds, I don't know, man. It sounds kind of like little kids, man. No, it does, though. I remember even my little guys, I remember they would say similar things like that. Maybe you know some kids the same way. They're like, hey, dad, will you do something for me? What is it you want me to do? No, first, will you do it? No, I will not. You know, no, that's what they're doing, right? They're trying to trick Jesus, right? Now, I thought about this. Actually, I wrote a lot of stuff about this because at this point, I thought it'd be really cool to say some really, I don't know, hard things about these two men. But the deal is, as I read the text and I thought about the text, I began to realize that this is a picture of me, Amen. right? 
right? So honestly, who has not at some time in their life tried to manipulate Jesus to get what they want? And you're like, no, I don't do that. Oh man, we, we do it. So we do it. We do that. So we do, we are, hey, I tell you what, I'm gonna make a deal with you, Jesus. Here's my deal, here's my deal. Jesus, if you answer my prayer, I'm gonna do this, or I'm gonna do this, or I'm gonna do this, or we make a contract with Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I, if you just do this, this is an interesting one, because people tell me they do this, and, and I've probably done similar things. I know I have. Jesus, if you do this, if you will accomplish this for me, I will start attending church. It's weird, dude. Like, you already supposed to be attending church. How that a deal for Jesus, right? But that's what's happening here. That's what's happening. They're trying to manipulate Jesus to get what they want. Jesus is going to respond in verse 36. And here's what he says. And by the way, Jesus is gracious to them. He's always been gracious to me. And I believe he's probably always been gracious to you as well. But look at verse 36. And he, that's Jesus, said to them, the sons of Zebedee, what do you want me to do for you? All right? Now, once again, Jesus is not asking this question because Jesus does not know. I say this as often as I can. Jesus does not lack knowledge. Jesus knows everything. Perhaps we're not going to get into it. There's one thing that Jesus says he does not know. Matthew 26, Mark 13, concerning his second coming, he says, I don't know that. Only the Father knows that. Once again, that's another message. But Jesus certainly knows the heart of these two men, right? All right, verse 37. They're going to reply. All right, here we go. Here's a, <laughs> here it is. And they said to him, here we go, guys. Grant us to sit, one on your right hand and one at your left hand, in your glory. Now, to their credit, they don't dance around the point, right? They're like, Jesus, funny, funny you should ask. We just, so, so, so what's a coincidence, right? I, let, me, let, me tell, let me tell you what we want, Jesus. Here's what we want. We want to sit at your right hand and your left hand in your glory. Wow, wow. Like, 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 like these, guys, these, guys, these, these guys aren't asking for a better chair to sit in at the office, you know. They're not, they're not asking for a better parking spot. They're not asking for middle management. No, these guys want to be top ministers in the state in Christ's government. These are some ambitious individuals, right? They're gonna go to the top. Now, now, once again, going back to what we already said, I've already said, ambition. Ambition is not necessarily bad and is not necessarily good. The determining factor in knowing whether ambition is good or if it's bad is motivation. Right? Motivation. But that's where it gets tricky, right? Because motivation is a, is a thing of a heart, and it's really hard to determine what their motivation is. And so I would start thinking, what, what might be some of their motivation? And as I looked at it and I thought about it, I think there's a mixture of bad and good. Here's some of the motivations that I come up with from the text. One, there was a motivation of favoritism, right? I think there, there's, a, there's a motivation of favoritism. James, John, and Peter, they formed the inner circle with Jesus. 
They apparently had a feeling that they were somehow, I don't know, special, right? Therefore, Jesus, you know I'm your boy. Jesus, since I'm your boy, I think you should put, you ought put, let me tell you what you should do, Jesus, put more weight on my request, right? Jesus, I'm your boy, right? And I have discovered this. This is a special, specific sin of many of us, right? It's a common sin among believers that somehow we think that Jesus sees the world exactly like us, right? Any conflict, any, any conflict I get into, I am certain that Jesus is on my side, right? Jesus, you saw that Jesus? As we do. Maybe, maybe even, I don't know, maybe even, maybe even they, maybe, once again, maybe, I don't know, maybe they thought they were due special favors from Jesus because after all, they had left everything. Yeah, they're doing everything for Jesus. Once again, this is a sin that we can fall into, right? Jesus, man, I'm going to church all the time. I'm in the Bible all the time. I shared the gospel with my neighbor. I, yeah. I felt like kicking the dog and I didn't kick the dog, whatever. Jesus, you ought to put once again more weight on my request. Me, me, what after all, right? So I think uh, favoritism. I think that's what, I think it's one of the reason they went up there. They brought their mom, they wanted favoritism. Undoubtedly, there's another mixture here. Undoubtedly, they wanted power. I mean, that's in the actual request. Right, left in your glory won't the power all right so you got you got favoritism you got power oh that's that's clearly that's clearly worldly ambition that's clear but when i look at it and i think about it and i know these guys in part just from the text i think perhaps they're also motivated by love and faith and loyalty there is the possibility that james and john wanted to be next to jesus because they love jesus and they're loyal to jesus that's a positive thing that's an admirable thing all right so when i see this request i think there's a mixture there's a mixture of bad and there's good like many of us all right that's it that's their question they ask a question and Jesus responds and says, what do you ask? Now, now let's see, let's see. Verse 38, how's Jesus going to respond to all of this? All right, here we go, here we go. This, this, is, this, is, this is good. It's all good, but this is specifically good to our task today. Jesus said to them, all right, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. Jesus, straightforward, he doesn't pull any punches. He's like, you two guys are ambitious, right? I got a couple of questions for, your, for you ambitious believers, right? First thing he says is this. I'm sure he's loving them, I don't know. You guys got no clue what you're talking about. I've actually prayed before and I thought, you know, God probably said that to me. Travis, you, you, you don't even know what you're asking. And it's true. It's true. It's true. And then he asked a second question. Can you drink the cup? Can you drink the cup of suffering that I'm going to drink? Can you be baptized with the agony that I'm going to have? 
That's his response. All right, now it's their turn to reply to him. Check this out, verse 39, the first part of it. Here's what these guys say. It's crazy. They said, kind of. They said to him, we're able. I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, come on, guys. Come on, guys. No, I read that and I get an eye roll. Because here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, you two, <laughs> you, you two guys, you can't even ask Jesus a question without having your mama hold your hand, right? And now Jesus says, you're going to die for me? And you guys like, yep, that's us. We're going to die for you, right? It's kind of, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But there is something positive here. They, they're demonstrating for us the proper way to respond to Jesus. They receive a challenge from Jesus, and immediately they say, yep, we can do it. We can do it. Once again, of course, they did not fully know what they were asking. They did not, nevertheless, at that particular moment, and they're willing to die for Christ in Jerusalem as necessary. So I would say, yeah, that's a good example. That is a good, James and John is a good example. Jesus said, can you do it? Yeah, we can. Immediately, without hesitancy, they don't even know what's, they don't even know what's involved. Yeah, 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 we can. And Jesus then is going, he continues, verse 39, the last part. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized, all right? We see here, big picture, they're going to pay a price for their ambition. They did not yet know it, but they would. They would, we know from scripture, James well, we know James was killed by Herod. He's the very first apostle to drink the cup of martyrdom. He did. We know John. John lives to be about 100 years old, but he drank that cup too. He witnessed. He was there. He witnessed Jesus' death. He witnessed the death of every one of the apostles. He lived in banishment, in exile on the island of Patmos. So he drank from that cup. And Jesus continues, verse 40. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Two quick things we can see here. One, Jesus says, some, going to, some will be sitting on the right and some will be sitting on the left. God is preparing to bestow such honor on some. This points to the truth that there are degrees of glory in heaven. Two, Jesus says, that right to reign with him is determined by God the Father alone. That is his discretion. That is his absolute justice. God. All right, so that's the episode that begins. You know, hey, we got a trick. We're going to try to trick you, Jesus. We're going to trick you, you know. And you say no, and you get all this information, and he can't do it, and all of this stuff. So that convo's over. That convo's over. Now the scene is going to shift to all the apostles. You get to verse 41. Check this out. And when the 10 heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. Now, this is interesting. My, my, my first question, how, how'd, the other, how'd they find out, you know, the, the other 10? How did they learn? 
The text doesn't tell us, right? Evidently, the other 10 are noticing that something unusual was happening. I mean, James and John go away by themselves with Jesus, that's odd, and they take their mother, that's odd, and I guess when they returned from that conversation, the other 10 were like, hey, what you guys doing? What are you doing over there with your mother, right? What's all that? What is all of that about? Hey, James and John, I don't know what you were doing. That looked kind of shady, man. What were you doing? And I guess they pressed them and they kept pressing them to eventually James and John finally told them about their evil ambition. I don't know, something like that happened. But what you've got to see and what we've got to know is the consequence, the consequence of ungodly ambition. You see jealousy, you see envy, you see division, you see bitterness, conflict, destruction. Selfish ambition within the church can even call, cause, dare I say, church splits. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know if you could present to me a church that has splits where there was not selfish ambition involved. Either way, we begin the apostles' desire greatness, all right? We're going to continue in verse 42, and the next thing we're going to see is now Jesus describes greatness. Once again, Jesus is going to give us some information. Jesus is going to tell us what Christian ambition looks like. Let me read this to you, verse 42. And Jesus called them to him and said... To them, Actually, I guess he's saying, once again, all these people arguing, hey, guys, get over here. Get over here. We need to talk. Here's what he says. You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. Among who? Christians. Christians, once again, Christians, if you are a Christian, if you have repented and believed as God, if God has saved you, this shall not be so with you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. All right, notice how Jesus responds. First, he does not find fault with ambition as a whole, right? Jesus says there's good and true ambition and there's bad, false ambition. But he's quite clear, there's a, different, there's a difference between the two. The question we might say, well, what is it? 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 How, 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 how am I to distinguish? How am I to distinguish the ambition that I possess? Is the, 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 the ambition that I possess, is it evil or is it good? Well, in the text, Jesus gives us four characteristics of godly ambition. In other words, if your ambition is not marked by these four qualities, then it's probably not a godly ambition. Let's walk through it. It's in, I love saying this, it's in the text, all right? Godly ambition, first thing he says, does not exercise authority, right? True ambition is not exercising lordship over people. True ambition is not seeking to be chief, right? It's not self-centered. If you are desiring 
to be boss over a lot of people, if you're desiring to tell a lot of people what to do, if that's your desire, if that's your goal, if that's your aim, if that's part of your ambition, then you see here that's probably not godly ambition because that is not an attribute of godly ambition. Two, he says godly ambition does desire greatness for Christ, right? Let me say this real quick. Jesus says, be ambitious. Oh, Christian, be ambitious. We are to be ambitious people, but ambitious for Jesus, right? We're not, we're not, we're not seeking my kingdom, my greatness, my honor, my all. We're seeking Jesus. A person becomes great by doing what Jesus says. That is ambition. Three, godly ambition. This is good. Seeks to minister. There's a lot, there's a lot going on there. That word seek. True ambition seeks to minister, not to be ministered unto. unto. I thought about this. I thought about this. I was thinking about this. Listen, 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 listen. There is, there is a difference, please hear me, between ministering to somebody and seeking to minister to somebody. There's a difference, right? We're, we're good at this, ministering. Someone come to me, someone need help, Right? And I give it. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus says, you won't be great. You won't be ambitious for Christ. You need to seek to minister. Amen. I mean, you'll be looking for it. Like, like, like you, you, you find opportunities. You're looking everywhere so that you can minister. Seek. Church, seek. Church, seek. We seek. We look for ways. We go out of our way in order to find ways so that we might minister to others. Man, it's, it's, it's a, I remember, man, I remember back, I remember, I, this, is a story, this is a story to my shame, my sin. I love talking about my sin because I know it, man. I remember, I remember um, I was in Dar es Salaam and that's East Africa and uh, I was driving my car and there's millions of people there. So it was like this four-way kind of stop sign area and there's just thousands and thousands and thousands of people and it's hot and you're sweaty, you get all this stuff. So I'm sitting there and this guy who has no legs pulled himself up to my car and he put his hand up. You know, okay, all right. I look at him, I have compassion on him. I turn to my little ashtray there. I got a thousand shillings, it's about a dollar and I give it to him. He says, Asante Sana and he, um, you know, thank you and he goes on his way. And then the light turns green and I drive off. I'm like, Travis, you're a pretty good guy. Pretty good guy. You're ministering to a guy in need. Now, God, in his graciousness, harshly dealt with me because he convicted me right then and there. And I remember it distinctly. God saying, Travis, you gave that man a dollar, dollar. Oh, Travis, you're such a, such a good, Travis, you are such a good guy. And by the way, Travis, before that guy walked up to your car, he was, or got pulled himself up to your car, he was still on the corner there. You did not seek to minister unto him. You waited for him to come to your car, then you ministered 
to him. Yeah, good, you minister, good. Good for you, Travis. You want to be great, man. You want ambition, you want ambition, you want ambition, you want ambition, you, you got to seek. You seek it. You look for it. You go out of your way to do it. And then he says, finally, become the servant of all. Once again, it's in the text. It's in the text. And he says it really interesting. If you want to be great, be a servant. But if you want to be first, chief, head, greatest, he changes the words. He says, be a slave to all. All. Man, I always, man, I got a, I got a problem with the word all. My problem with the word all is it is all inclusive, right? Like you can't argue with all. You can't. I mean, no one out. I'm going to be a slave to everybody. Church, no colors left out. No educational levels left out. No social, social economic level left out. Check this out. Check this out. Check this out. No political orientation or affiliation is left out. All covers all. All, 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 all. Be, be a slave to all. Be a slave to all. All right. All right. Well, I read that and I get that. Here's what might follow. All right. What does that look like? Right? That's good. Jesus, that sounds good. That sounds really good, Jesus. I, I might even, you know, put that up on my social media post or something. I don't know. That sounds good. But what does it look like? That's when Jesus rolls his sleeves up and Jesus demonstrates greatness. That's what we see next. Jesus demonstrates greatness. He's going to say, this is, this is how it looks. This is what it looks like. Take note, get out your pen, get out your paper, because I'm going to take you to school. Here's what he says, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what ambition looks like. Check it out, man. Jesus is what? King of kings, Lord of lords. And how did he ascend? Many ways, but specifically note, he became a servant to all, right? We see here, this isn't in your notes. You can write it down if you want to, but there's three supreme acts demonstrated for us here. First, we see in Jesus the supreme humiliation. It's in the text. It's in the text. The Son of Man came. Where'd he come from? Heaven? I'm listening there. I'm like, I can sit there and I can sit there and I'm like thinking, man, mankind is kind of the apex of all things. No, mankind is not the apex of all things. Let me tell you something. Heaven is infinitely better. Amen. Infinitely better. And Jesus says, I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve mankind by dying on the cross in their place. And he stepped out of heaven closed himself with flesh and he's born in the manger that's supreme humiliation then you see you see you see the supreme mission right came not to be served but to serve jesus says i can i came i came i came to serve not to be served right i'm seeking and saving that which has been lost i'm here to serve you and yet and yet we treat him as the lowest by those whom he came to serve Finally, we see the supreme price. The supreme price. Once again, it's in the text. Came not to be served, but to serve. He goes to the cross, dies in my place for my sin. He paid the supreme price. Jesus is our example. Jesus is our example, right, of godly 
Ambition. Ah, ambition is a complicated thing, isn't it? So complicated. Let me close this way. Something I thought about. Everybody in the Bible became great, who became great in the Bible, God had to first use them as a servant. You don't, you don't find that, you don't find anyone in the Bible who we consider great who was not first a servant. Moses had to learn how to lead sheep before he could lead the people of God. Joseph had to be a servant in Potiphar's house before he could be second in position over all of Egypt. Go off, go off the Bible. I challenge you, go off through the Bible. Daniel had to learn how to serve before he became promoted in Babylon. Ruth, Ruth said to Naomi, I will serve you for the rest of my life before God allowed her to be in the lineage of Christ Jesus. Peter had to learn to serve before he could be head of the church. Everyone who's ever become great in the Bible had to first learn to serve, period, period. Hey, ain't none of you going to clap out of that. Ain't none of us going to be any different. We're going to walk around thinking, oh, that was for Moses and ain't for me. I don't know, man. Greatness is not determined by how many serve you, but by how many you serve. That is Christian ambition. We'll end this way. I won't give you a challenge. I've already said it once. I'll say it again. If you're watching, I'm saying this to you as well. Here's my challenge to every Christian. Be ambitious. Be ambitious. Be ambitious for Christ. I make no apologies. Be ambitious for Christ. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They are about to enter the darkest moment in history and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, We appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.